Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Well, if you look at the ever-changing polls and prognostication right now, Democrats have a better-than-expected chance to hold on to one or maybe even both houses of Congress this November. Lots of challenges, lots of time left to go. That's one of the many reasons why President Biden is uh, hitting the campaign trail and is going to be blitzing the United States over the next several weeks. But uh, he's starting this week on Thursday, where you will hear the president start to outline his midterm message. And helping us break that down, Olivier Knox is the national political correspondent for The Washington Post, and he's the anchor of The Daily 202. And on that Daily 202 today, uh, he did talk about just that. What is this uh, message that the president will be inaugurating this week? Uh, how does he navigate the pl- the pros and the cons, the difficulties in the economy, the successes he's had uh, from a policy standpoint? Uh, Olivia, thanks for joining us. And uh, give us a, a little sneak peek. What do you expect the president to start testing uh, in terms of messaging this week? Well, as you know, presidential campaign speeches can sort of be roadmaps for their supporters, uh, talking points roadmaps. Here's how you can argue that the economy is not so bad. Here's how you can argue that Republicans uh, are a threat to reproductive rights, that, that sort of thing. And so when the president goes to deep blue Montgomery County, Maryland, in the D.C. suburbs on Thursday for a pair of Democratic National Committee events, uh, I expect to hear at least the, uh, the first version of his midterm election speech. You know, the elections are, are fewer than uh, 80 days away now. The president's been on vacation. He comes back to Washington tomorrow. Um, I expect to hear him talk about the Biden economy, to talk about his legislative achievements. But today's column was really kind of more a bunch of questions, a bunch yeah. of things to listen for. Um, and the, the top, the most important one, I think, is how does Biden describe the Biden economy? Um, it's been it, it sent a lot of mixed messages. You've had that incredible jobs recovery, but you also have had that record high inflation. Um, you've had, you know, high gas prices, supply chain disruptions. Uh, everyone knows about the, the baby formula shortage and things like that. I'm not saying these are things you can blame on Biden, but he has to navigate this because these are things that are happening on his watch. And voters tend to respond accordingly. And so I want to hear what he has to say on the economy. Yeah, I think that's so important. And I love the way you frame that. It's one of the reasons I do go to the 202 uh, is because you're not uh, telling us what to think, but you're saying, listen for this, or it'll be interesting to see how they frame this, uh, either from a messaging or a communication standpoint. I want to ask you one uh, deeper dive on the economy issues. What do you think the president will be able to do We've been talking about it in terms of uh, kind of how you framed it. Of there's You have these successes, these things that are going well, and you also have what many Americans are feeling around yep. the, the kitchen table. And the president has to be able to square those or to put those into alignment of, of what he's touting as a success and what the American people are actually feeling. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Um, you, you really can't march out under the campaign trail. And tell Americans who are struggling with higher grocery prices or gas prices, but look, I passed the Inflation Reduction Act. Um, you do have to take, sort of meet them where they are. And yeah. that means doing what Biden has done, actually, uh, which is express a lot of empathy for Americans facing high prices um, and blending that with the defense of his record, talking about 
jobs growth on his on his watch. Um, but that is sort of why I'm listening for it. I really am curious to see how he manages this. Poll after poll after poll shows that he's underwater on the economy, that um, even a lot of Democrats aren't happy with the economy right now. Um, and so it, and it is it is historically, you know, the or one of the two driving forces in American elections. So how he tackles this and how he tells, in effect, tells other Democrats to tackle this is going to be really important. Yeah. And then uh, your next point in uh, the 202 today is is equally important to me. And that is where does the president go in terms of uh, what is he against versus what he is for in terms of vision? How negative do you go? Uh, how contrasty do you go as opposed to here's where we are? Here's our vision for the future. Yeah, absolutely right. I mean, no, no struggling president wants a midterm election to be purely a referendum on their record. They want it to be a contrast, a choice. Um, and how he does that is going to be really interesting. You know, we talk a lot about Joe Biden's instincts towards uh, bipartisanship. And, and certainly that is true. But it's also true um, that he's not shy about attacking Republicans in some pretty strident tones. And so uh, which, which, which Biden will show up? I can tell you progressives want him out there fighting. Um, and he's, he's been helped a little bit this year by that Supreme Court decision, the Dobbs decision, which overturned Roe v. Wade. Um, that seems to have energized a lot of Democratic voters. It seems to be driving uh, voter registration among young women in particular. Um, and, we, and House Democrats have been trying to you know, box in their Republican colleagues with a series of votes on access to contraception, on uh, gay marriage, on interracial marriage, on uh, contraception and things like that. And so one of the questions I have is, is he going to take a page from the House Democrats and really go after really go after Republicans and say, in effect, you know, I need this Democratic Senate or I need this Democratic Congress uh, as a kind of a, a bulwark against what the GOP would do if they took power? Yeah, so interesting. And uh, kind of on that uh, pace in terms of where that messaging is coming from and who it's targeted to in terms of the, the base of, of the Democratic Party or whether it's looking more at those swing voters in the middle uh, interesting. We we know the president will announce uh, most likely tomorrow uh, some of that uh, forgiveness of student loan debt. Uh, we had uh, Ben Ritz on earlier in our program uh, from the Progressive Policy Institute uh, talking about, hey, this this is not really that progressive. <laughs> this progressives may not really want him to go after this particular one. But how does how does the president navigate uh, within the party, uh, which is important to make sure that base is fired up and will show up? Uh, as well as getting to some of those uh, center-left to center-right voters uh, who who might have a little different view. Right. So I think that on the college debt question, I think um, it it will energize uh, progressive voters, particularly the younger uh, at the younger end of the spectrum. And I don't think it'll turn people off from Biden. In other words, I don't think people will listen to his plan tomorrow. We don't really have all the details yet, but let's say he forgives up to $10,000 of student debt, uh, of undergraduate student debt uh, for people who make $125,000 a year or less. Um, a lot of people, a lot of, uh, a lot of young folks will be, will be pretty jazzed about that. Um, and I don't really think that there's a population of voters that's going to look at the Biden record, see this addition to it and say, well, that's it that I'm staying home. That's not to say that it's super popular, even among Democrats. Uh, again, we don't have the details, so it's a little hard to judge. Yeah. But I've seen I've seen a lot of Democrats, including some progressives, say that, you know, either this doesn't go far enough uh, or it's actually not all that progressive. But um, remember, it was something of an issue. Um, uh, Raphael Warnock, the senator from, from Georgia, has been one of the people promoting 
forgiveness of college debt. And so there's a non-zero chance that the White House is going to pitch this to people as, you know, this is not just about college debt. It's also about keeping uh, the Senate in Democratic hands. Oh, fantastic. Interesting. Uh, real quickly, any uh, anything else that you're looking for? Uh, and I, I love the way you framed it in terms of this. This is kind of the maiden voyage, and there'll be lots of tweaks to this messaging over the next couple of weeks uh, before we get you know past Labor Day and, and full scale into the midterms. Uh, anything else you're listening for in particular or watching for in some of these early editions uh, uh, of the, the Biden message for the midterm? Sure. So how much of this speech is going to be about if if you keep the Congress in Democratic hands, here's what I want to do with it. You know, he's talked in the past about how he needs a couple more senators, a couple more Democratic senators to move on some other big progressive causes. And so it'll be interesting to see whether the, the, the president uh, goes back to that well and says, look, if you give me if you give me just if, if we hold it, I can do this. If you give me just a couple more Democratic senators, I can do that. Um, I think we all expect him to go after Republicans. And one of my questions was, you know, how much of this is going to be an affirmative, uh, an affirmative defense of what he will do. Yeah. And the, finally, the thing, another thing I'm listening for, and I realize that I may be out of step with a lot of Americans, but I want to hear what he has to say about COVID. Mm. Um, COVID, COVID's not done with us. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the fatalities are down. Hospitalizations are down. More people are getting vaccinated and boosted. But we're not done with it. And I'm sort of curious, you know, last summer he kind of got burned because he, he declared independence from the virus right as Delta was sending cases, hospitalizations and deaths up. Um, and so that, you know, that was sort of the, the start of his slide was early summer of last year. Uh, and so I kind of want to see how he how he talks about it. Yeah. And here I think we know because he has talked about it in pretty campaign style terms before. Mm. So uh, I, I expect it's going to be something along the lines of, uh, look at all the look at how different our relationship to COVID is a year and a half or so into my presidency than it was before. Yeah, Olivier Knox, national political correspondent for the Washington Post, anchor of the Daily Two Hundred Two. Great insight as always. We'll be watching and listening uh, for some of those key messages. Thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. All right, that wraps up hour number one of Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. Stick around. Hour number two is next. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent. It was senseless. And I will never understand it. I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson. And unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story, the struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.